0: So My name is Michael Hildebrand, and I'm the director of the Upstate Mobility Alliance. Uh, We're a nonprofit focused on making the upstate of South Carolina a vibrant and connected region. And this morning, we have Ernie Bowman, who is the director of operations for the southeastern U.S. with Tool Design Group with us. So thank you, Ernie, for being here and just ask you if you would just quickly share a, a little bit about your background with us.
1: Sure Michael, I appreciate the invitation to chat today. Um, so I'm a, I'm a native of Spartanburg and obviously that also makes me a native of the upstate. And uh, grew up here, uh, Clemson graduate uh, with degrees in architectural design and city and regional planning. And I've been, for, for the last 25 years, I've been doing planning and design work for a variety of of transportation modes. And of course, most recently for the last seven years or so, I've been with Tool Design Group, uh, where we have our local office uh, here in downtown Spartanburg. We've got about 12 staff, but we are an international company of uh, 200 people in 17 offices. And uh, Tool Design is the nation's uh, leading planning, engineering and landscape architecture firm, uh, specifically specializing in bicycle and pedestrian transportation and recreation. Um, And, Michael, we not only plan and design uh, bicycle and pedestrian facilities, but we also write uh, much of the national guidance for the development of these facilities.
0: So, speaking of, you know, cycling and and pedestrian design, um, this fits in with your role with the Upstate Mobility Alliance as the co-chair for the Acting and Livable Task Force so kind of tell me a little bit what do you uh, in your mind what do you see an active and livable community is what does it look like what does it mean to you yeah sure so
1: to me and i don't want to oversimplify things but uh, to me you know the answer to, to what an active and livable community you know looks like is that it's a community that's designed for people um, and, and more specifically than that, it's, it's for the people of that particular community. Um, so I guess I'd say that active and livable communities are, are very context sensitive. Uh, so, so different communities are gonna have different characteristics that, that make them uh, active and livable. Now, Michael, of course, you know, there are some things that, that I think all active and livable communities have in common. And certainly those are things like parks and open space and trails, greenways, sidewalks, uh, those types of things. But uh, you're also going to see things that go beyond the infrastructure. So things like programs and advocacy that encourage active lifestyles. And so those would be things like, you know, safe routes to school programs, uh, outdoor education, land conservation groups, and then uh, of course, food and and wellness programs. Uh, Additionally, Michael, I'd say that most active and livable communities—they have leaders that think creatively and and actually encourage uh, new ideas.
0: So, speaking of of the leaders, what um, who do you recognize as those leaders? Is it often um, a, a mayor or a or an elected official, or do you see those leaders coming more from the community, or is it a mixture of both? Uh, it's
1: actually, a, in my mind, it's a mixture of both. Michael, we, you know, I've often said that that most of these uh, any any active active transportation or recreation project uh, out there, as well as you know, I think even downtown revitalizations, which are which are a big part of livable communities, those come from having champions uh, behind them. And so often uh, we'll see that those are elected officials, but sometimes it's, you know, it's hometown folks uh, that have made good and come back and and share that success with the community. Somebody that's, you know, willing to invest in their community and and by them investing in it, uh, you know, they get other people excited. Uh, We've also seen that there's a number of advocacy groups, especially here in the upstate, uh, that do a remarkable job of generating uh, that excitement.
0: So um, what are the benefits to, to creating these types of, of communities? You mentioned that the Tool Design Group is, is nationally known and kind of on the forefront of, of creating a lot of the plans and designs around what these communities look like. So I would imagine there's, there's um, an increasing interest in these. What, uh, what are the benefits to have these active and livable communities?
1: Yeah, and this is this is an area, Michael, where I could I could talk for a long time uh because you know, years ago we kind of had a short list of benefits, but I think the research has bared out that there, there's a multitude of benefits uh to, to these kind of communities. Um certainly at the top of that list, you know, uh, I think it would be obvious to everyone that there's improved health uh when we are more active. And uh there's you know uh it's not easy for me to say that but there's also you know data that backs that up uh in fact the national governors association uh they put out a report on healthy living and they estimate that 5.6 billion dollars could be saved in healthcare costs nationally if just one in every 10 Americans started a regular walking program so that's just you know if if 10% of us uh, just walked on a regular basis so imagine if you lived in a community where walking was easy, uh, so that you could just make it part of your daily routine. Uh, same thing with bicycling. I mean, obviously the benefits of bicycling are are even better than walking. And so if it was easy for, for you to ride a bicycle in your community, uh, then you know maybe you're cutting out you know that that gym membership, or maybe you're you're cutting out the need to go have specialized equipment for health. Um, Another benefit that we you know that we see is that people do want transportation choices and what we found is that when we incorporate uh, those choices uh, into our streets uh, they become safer. Uh, When we design streets uh, that are basically designed for all people and all modes rather than just cars, um, it results in several things. First I mean you get slower traffic speeds, uh, so, that when we do have crashes, they're occurring at a lower speed, which means we have lower injuries and fatalities. Um, the design of a, of a multimodal street enhances visibility and improves sight lines. Uh, you get uh, better geometrics at intersections, which, which increase safety. And then, and then also, I think one of the key points of, of a multimodal street is that you get a better understanding and clear expectations. Uh, you know, drivers know where bicyclists are going to be, and, and vice versa. And, and if there's sidewalks provided, drivers know that you know folks aren't going to be walking in the street. and so it gives better expectations uh, to all. Um, I think one of the, the areas that's really starting to emerge as a benefit that people didn't understand previously is that active and livable communities are important um, if you want your community to be competitive. and we know right now this is a very competitive environment we're in um the urban land institute they report that 52% of americans would like to live in a place where they do not need to use a car very often um so if you have a community where you can walk and you can bike or you can take transit uh, that's going to be attractive to, to over half of the people in this country um, similar research was done by the american planning association and they cite that the millennials you know which is one of those uh, very sought-after demographics in our communities, that 74% of millennials uh, believe that investing in schools, transportation choices, and walkable areas is a better way to grow our economy than just recruiting companies alone. Um, so uh, the reality is, if you establish your your community as being walkable, uh, you're going get, to get this improved competitiveness. Um, you know, I think Another thing here, and, and this is kind of the last thing I'll mention on this, is um, there's individual economic benefits from being able to walk or bicycle for transportation as well. I mean, first of all, you can reduce your household expenses, which then leads to more discretionary income. And then, as we've already mentioned, the health benefits of this, you know, you're going to reduce your health care costs as well. And then that ties directly into, you know, kind of one of our other task forces uh, here at the Mobility Alliance, uh, the the tr- dealing with transit and being transit ready that um you know when we can make it more easy for folks to go between their homes and work shopping and transit or by doing that on foot or by bike um for folks that don't have an automobile this increases their job opportunities and therefore you know improves their upper mobility as well
0: absolutely and, and ernie i think a lot of the things that you uh, mentioned um apply specifically to the upstate of south carolina and south carolina in general i mean i know that uh, south carolina uh, consistently leads the nation in in the number of traffic fatalities Uh, we also are one of the uh, states that has the highest incidence of diabetes and obesity Um, and so i'm just curious do you think that from a from a policy standpoint do does south carolina understand the benefits of these types of communities or do you think there is still more education that needs to take place
1: michael i think we're getting there um and and i don't know that this is unique to south carolina i think certainly the southeast as a whole uh you know i i practice all over the southeast and and throughout the country as well and um, I think we're seeing more and more communities understanding these things better. Um, and certainly I think that the upstate, uh, I feel like we're turning a corner, uh, on a lot of, a lot of this thought process. Um, so I'm very optimistic, uh, that, that we're headed in the right direction. Certainly, uh, you know, we've got, got work to do. Um, but, uh, I think we're definitely headed in the right direction.
0: Is there anything that, uh, the community can do to help, um, Increase education uh, around this topic
1: yeah, you know I think uh, there's a lot of resources out there, but I, I think one of the, the biggest things uh, that we find is um, the people that that enjoy uh, active and livable communities that value them it's it's a lot of, a lot about just being, being somewhat vocal about that. Um, you know often it's easy to sort of be shouted down uh by by a naysayer uh, but being vocal and then also you know sort of living living what you what you believe there so uh, the more the more that people see people out walking, see people out riding bicycles uh taking transit for that matter, uh, the more it becomes uh, commonplace and and more acceptable to folks um and then certainly there's there's a lot of resources uh through uh you know Smart Growth America and the Complete Streets Coalition, uh, as well as even, you know, uh, our, our own DOT has some good resources on their website regarding uh, multimodal travel.
0: Okay. So as you mentioned, you, you're responsible for the Southeast and then your company is, is international. Um, so what are some of the innovative designs or ideas that you've seen that have been incorporated um, and then we'll talk a little bit more locally. What uh, what communities in the upstate do you think have started to do some good work around
1: this? Sure, yeah. So um, we are seeing lots of exciting things happening around the country and right here in the upstate. You know, um, I think uh, as as we were just saying, leaders and elected officials are beginning to understand uh, a sort of a basic principle that, that streets... Streets are our largest public asset from a square footage perspective. And uh, for too long, we've allowed our streets just to be about, you know, moving moving cars. And, and one of the key questions that I ask communities uh, as I work with them is that, you know, as we're looking at a street, you know, I say, is, is this a street, you know, do you want the street to run through your community or do you want it to be part of your community? And I think more and more folks are understanding that that those streets uh, need to be part of their community, uh, because most of most places have more public space in their streets than they could ever hope to have in parks or open space, and so it's paramount that that our streets become places for all people. Um, in Bentonville, Arkansas, where we're doing some work, the city is actually developing designs for their streets that allow them to flow seamlessly into their parks, uh, so that they're Making connections between various parks that allow citizens to travel travel you know between them easily on foot or by bike, and the nice byproduct product of this is kind of as, as that connectivity between the parks is achieved, it goes beyond that to actually be connectivity between homes and places of work and schools so that other you know other short trips can be accomplished. And uh, here in the Upstate, uh, we've seen some similar uh, types of plans uh, going on. In fact, the city of Anderson. Uh, they not not too long ago they developed a plan to connect their parks by leveraging their street network so kind of a very similar idea. Um, something else we're seeing is that more communities are understanding uh, that bicycles are not cars um, and so therefore you know we, we understand that most people are not comfortable bicycling and mixed traffic on the street. in, in fact, uh, research has shown that approximately sixty percent of people say they would bicycle more often, but they're afraid of being hit by a car. Um, and so what we're seeing emerge over the last couple of years is this idea of providing a lower stress, higher comfort bicycle facilities. And that's where the idea of, of separation and protection kind of come into play. And so we're designing more physically separated bicycle facilities than, than we ever have before. And of course, these include things like trails and greenways, which I think, you know, the upstate's fairly familiar with, but it's also got uh, on-street facilities that provide a more trail-like comfort to them. And so, excuse me, one of uh, of our communities here in, in the upstate, Spartanburg, will soon have the very first Uh, what we call a vertically protected two-way bicycle facility. And and by vertically protected, we mean that it'll actually have a raised curb and some landscaping between it, uh, between the facility and the street. And that's the Mary Black Rail Trail extension. And uh, it goes to construction this fall and it will actually provide an on-street connection through downtown that will have the comfort of uh, what we would call an urban trail. And then, Kind of, the, kind of the third big thing we're seeing out there <clears throat> is communities are now understanding that uh, for active transportation to truly work, um, there's gotta be a connected network. So it's not enough just to have one big uh, sort of north-south connection or east-west connection. Uh, you have gotta have network that feeds into that. So uh, some cities are becoming more, more aggressive about this and they're doing what we call rapid implementation which actually allows for connect- connected network uh, to be constructed in just, just a few years. Uh, we're currently helping the city of Austin, Texas do this. Um, in fact, our staff is embedded uh, with city of Austin staff, working side by side with them on a daily basis uh, to fast track uh, design and construction of their bicycle network. And certainly here locally, you know, while, while the Swamp Rabbit Trail has been a huge success in Greenville and Traveler's Rest, I think both of those communities are beginning to understand that a connect- connected network is essential. Um, so so they're actually beginning to study how do you make those connections throughout the other streets to the Swamp Rabbit Trail and so that I think when that begins to happen we're going to see see some real exciting things uh, go on and you know um, wonderful things are happening in other upstate communities as well And and obviously we've got limited time but you know uh, the Doodle Trail and Pickens and Easley uh, downtown revitalizations in Greer and Greenwood. Uh, just overall, Michael, it's an exciting time uh, for active and livable communities in the Upstate.
0: Yeah, I agree, and and I, I really have been pleased, um, especially over the last five years or so. Um, it, it, I feel like there's a shift in in the the thought process around. Um, the need for bikes and and more walkable uh, communities and things. I I really uh, think that that's going to help the upstate continue just to grow and be a vibrant community. And one of the things that, that I've recognized over these last couple of weeks as we all have started to get used to social distancing and and working from home is um, there seems to be an increase in the number of people that I see out using, sidewalks and and trails and things like that even to the point where i've noticed um you know uh, the mayor in in greenville has had to close some parks and and do other things to to try to prevent uh just large groups of people from using these kinds of resources i'd be interested in your thoughts on on that you know as as we as as a community and, and even just nationally as we start to have to stay at, at home or, or stay you know, um, farther apart from others. Um, my view is uh, we're seeing people get out and actually use these resources more. I'd just be interested in your thoughts on that, if you had a thought about why that might be happening.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, you know, first, you know, Michael, I'd say, you know, certainly this is a difficult time for everyone with lots of challenges, but uh, I'm, I'm just always impressed to see how many people uh, look for bright spots uh, within the crisis. you know. I, I think, um, I don't know that that's necessarily our natural inclination, but I just know there's a lot of folks who, who will try to find those bright spots. And um, I've been working from home for about three weeks now. And uh, as you were saying, I mean, my, my home office has a window that faces out uh, the front of our house with a direct view of the street and and hardly five minutes will go by without seeing a person or a family, you know, that's walking or jogging or pushing a stroller or riding a bicycle down the street. And, uh, you know, what's really telling about this to me is I- I'm seeing people, my neighbors, uh, participating in active living that previously I only saw driving cars, um, you know, and and now they're out. Um, in fact, some of these folks, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm wondering, did they go buy the bicycle this week? Because I've never seen them on a bicycle. Um, but you know, I think what's going on is people are looking for for any bit of normalcy they can find and and I think it's only natural for us to find solace in the outdoors you know fresh air sunshine um it's It's a natural remedy to some of the emotions we're we're all dealing with right now and you know we are seeing this here in the upstate, and my colleagues at Tool design are seeing this throughout the country um in fact. Uh, some cities like like Boston and Minneapolis are actually temporarily reassigning lanes of their streets uh, to be bicycle and pedestrian only because they've noticed that, you know, car traffic is down and bicycle and pedestrian traffic is up and they want to be able to provide that social distancing. Now, you know, Michael, the beauty of bicycling um, is it pretty much requires six feet between you. If you ride much closer than that, you're going to yeah. get in trouble. Um, So bicycling is a great thing you know during social distancing it's it's hard to get within six feet of each other but um, you know I think I think the idea of these some of these cities is if we reassign some some of this laneage, then we can even get out and walk and things in in bigger areas and and actually Tool Design presented a webinar just yesterday uh, on the subject of rebalancing streets for people and uh, a recording of that will be available on our website Uh, if it's not already up it'll be there soon but um, the whole idea was to to talk about how do we rebalance streets for people during this crisis? How do we do this temporarily and and in in a non-reactive but proactive way? and And we actually had over a thousand participants join that webinar yesterday, which was just incredible. So there's definitely uh, there's definitely an appetite for this right now. Um, so, you know, if we can look for those small positives in the middle of this crisis, you know, I do think, that the self-quarantining and the stay-at-home orders, they are beginning to rekindle a love for the outdoors and and probably activity in general. And so for me, it's not hard to to begin to suppose that some of these folks, maybe right now they're wishing uh, that we had more trails, more greenways, more walkable neighborhoods that they could be enjoying uh, during this time. And and so I guess, Michael, perhaps, you know, it's possible that that realization might carry over you know after we get through this crisis and and we are going to get through it, we're going to get through it together. but but maybe that realization would put produce more people you know who value uh, active and livable communities.
0: Now, well said and and Ernie, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly and 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 hope that uh, like you said, when we get out of this crisis, um, we we have a, a better uh, appreciation. Um, of the outdoors and, and hope that, it, that we as, as a community uh, make the decision that we want more of these connected communities. So um, Ernie, you mentioned your your uh, website that you, that you did a, a, a video conference on yesterday. I'd, I'd ask you if you would share your website and if there's any other final comments you would like to make.
1: Yeah, sure. Our website is, is fairly simple. It's a, a tooldesign.com, but I will mention that tool has a e on the end of it, so it's T-O-O-L-E-D-E-S-I-G-N.com, um, and, uh, you know, Michael, I, I enjoyed talking with you today, and and I just, uh, I want to encourage everybody in the upstate to, to understand that, you know, active and livable communities are about building our communities for everyone, um, so it's not about uh, eliminating anything to have something else. It's, it's about having, having it all really and truly.
0: Uh, I agree. And and Ernie, I thank you for the time. This, um, has been really informative for me. Um, and again, I just, I just thank you. Thank you for, for the time this morning.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.